0: You're listening to Kalam Institute's podcast series, Sira, Life of the Prophet, by Sheikh Abdul Nasir Jangda. Visit us on the web at kalaminstitute.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash kalaminstitute. Bismillah, <laughs> alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah, continuing with our series on the life of the Prophet, Asiratul Nabawiyyah. In the previous session, we talked about the acceptance of Islam of you know, half a dozen people from what would eventually be known as Al Madinatul Munawwara, a small town by the name of Yathrib, and later on, how those same people returned back. Uh, with a group of another, you know, half a dozen or so people making it a total of almost 13, 14 people now. And they returned back with, um, you know, an equal number of people to accept Islam the following year at the season of Hajj. And the Prophet of Allah, ﷺ, this time when this group accepted Islam and there were over a dozen believers, the Prophet ﷺ actually sat down with them and gave them uh, and took from them a pledge, an oath of allegiance. Um, in, and then the Prophet ﷺ sent with them, at their own request, a teacher to go back and to be able to teach them and continue the propagation and the spread of Islam in that community. And that was none other than Musa ibn Umeir radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now, basically the next major event that's addressed in the seerah is the return of these people from Medina in the following year at the season of Hajj. So now this is the 13th year of the Prophet ﷺ preaching and teaching the message of Islam, and these people return back. However, before I talk about that very quickly, one thing that I actually did not mention and I didn't talk about previously, um, and I wanted to go ahead and address it over here. And that is that in the timeline, this, is, this occurred much earlier based on the opinion of many of the scholars of the seerah. But one of the miraculous incidents, just because obviously when we talk about the seerah, when we read the seerah, we read these events happening one after another. But what's important to understand is that these events are occurring basically a year apart. Now what's going on during the rest of that year for the duration of a year? The Prophet of Allah is continuing his preaching, his teaching, his message, and the spreading of Islam. That's something that is continuing. And... At the same time, an incident that some of the scholars place about five years prior to the Prophet migration from Mecca to Medina. But it's very likely that it could have occurred a little bit closer to the migration because we don't have any narrations that very explicitly place it in the timeline. And that, but this naturally occurred in the course of the Prophet ﷺ preaching and teaching Islam and spreading Islam and propagating the message of Islam, that the Makkans of the Quraysh they come to the Prophet ﷺ. One of the narrations mentions that even they've consulted by this time with some of the Yahud, and we know that they this was something that had occurred in the past as well. That a lot of times the Makkans, the Quraysh, and the Mushrikun would go to the Yahud and they would consult with them about how to challenge the Prophet ﷺ, what to ask the Prophet Wasallam. So. The people of Makkah, and this narration has been uh, narrated by many, many different Sahaba. Some of the scholars of Hadith count up to a dozen different Sahaba who have narrated this incident. Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim, ta'ala, mention uh, one narration in their books that is narrated by Anas, radhiyallahu anhu, that he says, Anna ahl Makkata." Sa'alu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and yuriyahum ayatan. The people of Mecca came to the Prophet sallallahu sallam and they said, Show us a sign. Show us a sign. And they were being very demanding. And this was in the later years of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam's stay in Mecca. So by now, a lot had happened between them. A lot had already transpired between them. And pretty much everyone's position was known, was understood. And so this was more of a challenge and kind of to conclude the conversation that it was one of those moments where either just show us a sign or then leave us alone. That's it. Show us something unbelievable, mind-blowing, life-changing, or leave us alone. So the Prophet of Allah at that time, there are many, many different narrations. So I'm kind of combining some of the narrations together to kind of paint a full picture salam comes to the Prophet and he says, Tell them to meet you in the evening time, tell them to come back to you in the evening time, a little bit outside of you know the, the haram, the Kaaba, to meet you outside of the Kaaba, outside of the Haram, tell them to meet you there in the evening time, and tell them to be ready to take an oath that they will swear by what they see. And there's no denying what they will see. So the Prophet ﷺ tells them that, and they're like, fine, if that's what it takes, then that's fine. So it's mentioned that basically in the evening time, close to the sun setting, the Prophet ﷺ meets up with the Quraysh over there, and it's mentioned that a whole huge group of people came out, many, many people came out. And the Prophet ﷺ took an oath from all of them, you will swear to what you see. You will not lie about what you see now. And they said, We won't. And Jibreel salam had informed the Prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you to point towards the moon. And the Prophet pointed towards the moon and the narration basically says that al that the moon split into two. Fa that the moon split up into two parts to the point where they could see the mount of the, the mountain of Hira between them. Some of the narrations mentioned that one was on one side of Safa, the other was on the other side of Safa. Um, but in either case there's a number of different narrations. It mentions that the moon split into two. Now, some of them, the narrations, when you compile them all together, it mentions that they started to say Saharana Muhammad, Saharana Muhammad. Muhammad has done magic to us, Muhammad has done magic to us. And some of the, the people who were there, the Mushrikun, the disbelievers there, they said, لا لا That even if he's done magic to some of us, he can't basically, you know, uh, he can't, you know, put everyone under a spell. Everybody sees this. And there are narrations about people in other areas of Mecca. People who were on their journey also seeing this and noting this as well. So there's many, many different narrations that talk about this fact. Some of the narrations mention that they had gathered together around the time of the sunset. Because you know, like in some seasons the moon is visible from even before the sun setting. And that's when the Prophet pointed to the moon and it split into two. And they stayed out there. They stayed out there all the way till what we would consider like Isha time. So they stayed out there for a good hour and a half, two hours just staring. And the narration mentioned that they kept rubbing their eyes and rubbing their faces and they'd look up and it'd still be there, split up into two. And that's where then the... And once they had been out there for two hours looking at it, the Prophet Wasallam said, now what? And they all just left from there saying that, hada سحر mustamir. This is just a magic that's being done, but this just happens to be a longer lasting, more enduring form of magic. That's all that it is. And that's when the Prophet looked up at the sky, and the Prophet said, اللهم اشهد. Oh Allah, you are the witness. Whether they attest to this or not, you are the witness. And then the ayat of the Qur'an came down, al السَّاعَةُ wa الْقَمَرِ وَإِنْ سِحْرٌ مُسْتَمِرٌ Right, that the the hour has come near when al Qamar and the moon was split. That even when they are shown a clear sign, they still turn away. And they just dismiss it by saying that this is just a magic that lasts for a little bit longer than ordinary forms of magic. And so this was another very interesting incident in the life of the Prophet um, that occurred, the Prophet many different narrations mentioned little, little subtle details that the Prophet of Allah even asked them before. He said, In Fa'altu, na'am. So they, the Prophet ﷺ asked them, that if I do present to you a major sign, will you believe? And they said, yes. And the narration mentions, Laylat tabadrin. It was the night of a full moon that this basically occurred. So there was no doubt and everybody saw what they saw. But nobody really was willing to attest to the truth of it. And nobody believed even at the end of this incident. And they went right back to whatever they were doing before by criticizing the Prophet ﷺ, dismissing it as some other form of magic and this was a major incident again in the life of the prophet sallallahu wasallam that is mentioned that this miracle was displayed by the prophet sallallahu of course by the command and the will of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but it was given to the prophet sallallahu you can almost consider it as a gift to the prophet sallallahu to present to the people and these types of incidents actually serve as a huge issue within the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ Because first and foremost, you see that these people are at the point of challenging the Prophet ﷺ, that either present something to us or leave us alone. So the conversation has gone past the point where they're willing to dialogue and discourse. It also... If you look at it, previously the Prophet would engage them in dialogue and discourse. This is one of those rare moments and one of those mo- most powerful moments in the life of the Prophet where such an unbelievable, profound, you know, amazing miracle is manifesting itself before their eyes. And this is also done to basically leave all excuses behind. To make everything very clear. Like, look there, you see it now. And when they still disbelieve, then it also makes their position very clear about what their exact position is. So now the Prophet in this manner is continuing on in Mecca for a whole nother year. These Muslims from Medina came, there are about 13, 14 believers who have come from Medina. They've arrived in Mecca, they've accepted Islam, they've gone back, they've given uh, an oath of allegiance to the Prophet They've taken back a teacher and a mentor in Musa bin Umair and Abdullah bin Umeir Maktoum. And now the dawah is basically going on in Medina. The message is being spread. I talked about it last time how Musa bin Umair, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, very intelligently, very um, maturely, he's Uh, Moving the mission forward He's spreading the message Slowly but surely To the point that in a year It got to a point Where there were hundreds of people Who had accepted Islam at this point in Medina If not thousands To the point where The narration doesn't give us an exact number But the narration mentions There was not a single home in Yathrib Which was to be Medina now There was not a single home in the town That did not have a Muslim or two in it that I means every family had a couple of Muslims in it by this point. And every day more and more people were coming into the fold. So this was, a, this was growing very rapidly. Almost half of Medina had accepted Islam at this point. But on the other side, the Prophet ﷺ is still in Mecca. He's having these confrontations, these showdowns with the people in Mecca they grow more and more agitated day by day. The Prophet ﷺ is still patient, still diligent, still continuing to preach the message. The believers are going further and further and further um, into, you know, they're being subjected to more and more torture and violence and aggression and oppression. And so the situation is just getting worse on this side. While there's this, flower that's blossoming there in Medina, the situation in Mecca continues to grow more and more dire and desperate. And it's at this particular time that of a little while, maybe, you know, a couple of weeks before the season of Hajj the following year, Musa bin Umayr radiAllahu ta'ala anhu comes back to Mecca. To the Prophet and he informs the Prophet ﷺ of the unbelievable, remarkable progress that has been going on there in Medina, in Yathrib, and tells the Prophet ﷺ exactly what I just mentioned now, that every single home has a believer in it at this point. That's how well the situ- thats how good the situation in Medina is. But along with Musa bin Umair, he's kind of presented, if you will. A gift for the Prophet ﷺ. And that gift for the Prophet ﷺ is that a group of believers, Muslims, from Medina, from Yathrib, also set out to visit Mecca for that season of Hajj. And the narration mentions that there were about, some narrations mentioned there were 70 of them. Some narrations mentioned that there were 73. And the reconciliation is very easy. العدد, that the, it was from the habit of the Arabs that they would, you know, say 70 some odd, like we would say. There were about 70 people. So the narration mentions that there were about 73 people and they are all traveling now towards Mecca to come and visit the Prophet Sallallahu and present a very specific request to the Prophet Sallallahu Now, before I actually talk about that meeting and that request and the aftermath of that and everything, I'd like to mention a couple because that's very, it's very important. I mean, this is the biggest turning point in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that we're basically coming upon now. But there's a couple of very interesting things, and we've always in here in the Sira sessions for the seerah podcast, we've always kind of gone into specific details to pick up very, you know, beautiful subtleties and lessons and things from the seerah that we might not be familiar with from a cursory reading of the seerah. There's a very interesting incident that is mentioned. Ka'b bin Malik, Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was you know, one of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, it's mentioned about him specifically that he uh, was present in the, you know, the pledge, the oath of allegiance that was made to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he mentions this incident and he says that we came out traveling about 73 of us believers, but there were a couple of hundred or more people that were traveling from Yathrib to Mecca that year. Hujjaj in the pre-Islamic sense. You know, tons of people would go. as a festival, carnival, business, all of this stuff would go on. So there were a bunch of people traveling. So we were traveling with them. And the majority of the people that we were traveling with were not Muslims. They were not believers. They were mushrikun. We did not make our intention known about what we were going to do. However, at the same time though, meant the word had spread around Medina that some people have believed in this religion, etc, etc, etc. So they knew we were Muslim, but we, weren't go- we didn't inform them that we were going there for a meeting with the Prophet ﷺ. Salah had already come down by now. If you remember, we talked about al-mi'raj. Five times daily prayer was already a part of the life of a Muslim. And the Prophet ﷺ had taught some of them how to pray. Musa bin Umair had been teaching all the new converts how to pray. So they said, as we were traveling, وَقَدْ That we were praying along the way on the journey. So he says that Barra bin Ma'roor. Barra bin Ma'roor, who was one of the leaders of the tribe, who was a Muslim as well. And he was considered one of the leaders amongst the Muslims of Yathrib, Medina. He was traveling with us as well. He says, while we were on the way to Medina, one day he tells me, he tells us, the believers, he says, يَا إِنِّي رَأْيًا وَاللَّهِ مَا أَدْرِي أَتُوَافِقُونَنِي عَلَيْهِ أَمْ He says, I have an idea. Something occurred to me. And I'd like to share with you, I don't know if you're gonna agree with me or not though. So they said, what is it? He said, قَدْ And he could also possibly be referring to a dream that I saw in a dream. أَلَّا أَدَعَ يعني إليهَا See, the interesting thing is that when the Prophet ﷺ used to pray in Mecca, he would pray in such a way that the Prophet ﷺ was praying towards the Kaaba and also towards Baytul Maqdis. So the Prophet ﷺ would align in such a way that he would be praying towards Baytul Maqdis, but in such a way that he was praying towards the Kaaba and Baytul Maqdis. But the official Qibla at of that time, of course as we know, was Baytul maqdis in Sham, in Palestine, in Jerusalem. That was the actual, al-Masjid al-Aqsa, that was the actual Qibla. In al-Madinatul Munawwara, if you were going to face and pray towards al-Masjid al-Aqsa, the, the, the Kaaba would be towards your back. And if anybody's gone for Hajj or Umrah, when you go for the Ziyarah of Medina to visit the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ in Al-Madinah al-Munawwara, and you go and you visit the masjid that's popularly called Masjid Qiblatain, it's actually the masjid of Banu Salima. That's where that incident occurred about them turning in prayer. And you can tell, you can see that the Qibla is this way, for instance, and it says in the back that that was the direction they used to pray in. It was the complete opposite. So this man Barabin bin Ma'rur he says to his Muslim you know travel companions he says to them that I don't want to put the Kaaba behind my back anymore when I pray but I want to pray towards the Kaaba I want to pray towards the Kaaba So they said that wallahi ma balaghana anna Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wasallam yusalli illa ila sham wa ma They said that we responded to him by saying that Look, what we've been told is that the Prophet Sallallahu prays in the direction of Asham. sham Sham is the entire area of the Levant, which includes modern-day what we call Jerusalem, Palestine. And so that's also in, that's where Al-Masul Aqsa is. So that's the direction the Prophet Sallallahu prays in. And we don't want to go against the practice of the Prophet Sallallahu So he says, Inni la musallin Well, whatever. I'm going to keep praying towards the Kaaba. I'm gonna pray towards the Kaaba in Mecca, That's what I'm gonna do. So we said to him, "La na, la nafal." We're not going to. He said, "That's fine. You can do what you're going to. I'm gonna do what I want to." So he said, hadaratis al sallahu al-kaaba." So he said, every time prayer came, we'd pray towards al-masjid al and he'd pray towards the Kaaba. Right, just flying solo. So he says until we eventually reached Mecca. Now when we reached Makkah. Ka'b bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, "Kunna ibna Sana'a. We were criticizing him for what he did. We didn't, we didn't approve of what he did. We thought he was doing something wrong. And we let him know, hey, this is not right what you're doing. So we disagreed with him very openly, very publicly. So, وَأَبَاءِ إِلَّا الْإِقَامَةَ عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ And he kept insisting on praying towards the Ka'bah. So when we got to, the, to Mecca, Ka'ab bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that I told, you know, uh, I basically said that um, he he said to me, this Barra bin Ma'roor says to Ka'ab bin Malik, يَبْنَ أَخِي إِنْطَلِقْ Bina إِلَىٰ رَسُولَهِ صَلَىٰ عَلَيْهِ سَمْ حَتَّىٰ أَسْأَلَهُ عَمَّا صَنَعْتُ فِي هَذَا So because Ka'ab bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu had been there previously, he says to him, he says, He says, like, you know, the oh nephew, dear nephew, because Barra bin Marur was an older man, he was one of the leaders. So he says, dear nephew, no hard feelings, let's go to the Prophet Wasallam so I can ask him about what I've done basically. I have a lot of confidence in what I did. But I'd like to go and ask the Prophet ﷺ, فَإِنَّهُ قَدْ وَقَعَ فِي مِنْهُ شيء? Because I am... Now starting to doubt my convictions just a little bit, so I'd like to go and confirm with the Prophet ﷺ. So he says, we go out to the Prophet ﷺ, and Khabbin Malik. Excuse me, I, I was wrong about this. Kabin Malik was one of those people that took the bayah in the second incident. In, in, second incident. So he had not been to Makkah before. So he says, both I and. Um, the bin Ma'roon Barra bin and I, both of us we had not seen the Prophet ﷺ before so we just kind of went out and we started asking people do you know where we can find the Prophet ﷺ? an صلى We started asking people so they said that do you know the Prophet ﷺ? we said no so then finally one man says do you know who Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib is? the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ So we said, yes, we actually do know who Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib is. He's an older man, famous leader of Quraysh, we actually know who he is. We've seen him before. So he says that because he used to travel on business and he would pass through our town, Yathrib, very frequently. So, the guy told us basically go to the Kaaba, go to the Haram, go to the Masjid, and there you'll see Abbas, whoever you see sitting next to Abbas will probably be the Prophet ﷺ. He'll be sitting with his uncle. So we said, okay. So we go there, and we see Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib sitting, and then we see the Prophet ﷺ sitting next to him. It's the first time we're seeing him. And we went there and we said, Salam. And the Prophet of Allah ﷺ of course responded to our Salam. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, do you know who these two men are? هَلْ تَعْرِفُوا هَذَيْنِ الرَّجُلَيْنِ يَا بِالْفَضْلِ So Abbas, the Prophet ﷺ didn't know who they are, so he's asking his uncle Abbas, do you know who these two gentlemen are? So Abbas who says, yes, I actually do know them. هَذَا bin Ma'rur, سَيِّدُ قَوْمِهِ This is Barra bin Ma'rur, the leader of his people. So kind of gives him some extra quality. وَهَذَا كَعْبِنْ مَعْرُورِ And this is Ka'b ibn Malik. هَذَا الْبَرَّابِنْ مَعْرُورِ سَيِّدُ قَوْمِهِ This is Al-Barrab bin Ma'rur, leader of his people. وَهَذَا كَعْبِنْ مَعْرُورِ And this is Ka'b ibn Malik. Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, فَوَاللَّهِ فَوَاللَّهِ He says, I swear by Allah, Ma ansa sallallahu alayhi sallam. I will never forget what the Prophet sallallahu said next. He said, Is he the famous poet, ibn Malik? Is he the famous poet, ibn Malik? And Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was not Muslim at this time, he would accept Islam later, he said, Na'am. So there's obviously, there's a bigger, you know, there's a, there's a real question here. This man Barrab bin Ma'rur has been praying towards the Kaaba while the Prophet has still designated the original Qibla to be Jerusalem. But I wanted to specifically mention this story even for this benefit. This is who the Prophet was. See, this is what made the Prophet who he was. This is why the Prophet had the effect that he had on people. This is how the Prophet ﷺ communicated with people. This is how he won the hearts of people. Who is Ka'b bin Malik? Ka'b bin Malik is one of the most dedicated of the Sahaba رضي taala anhum. He's a Badri Sahabi. He's a Sahaba, Sahabi who would participate in the Battle of Badr. He's a Sahabi who would stay by the side of the Prophet ﷺ in the end of his days. He's a Sahabi who would write many, many poems... You know, in support and in praise of the Prophet. But the Prophet, وسلم, he's already a believer. But the Prophet just won his heart over. I mean, think about the impression. He says, Wallahi ma I will never forget what the Prophet then said. That Abbas wasn't being mean. Ka'b Malik was a young man at this time. He says himself, I was very young. In some later narrations, when we talk about the bay'ah, he talks about that I was one of the youngest of the group. So the fact that Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, a leader of his people, the son of Abdul Muttalib, the fact that he even knew who I was, was a big deal, already showed. But, and al Barra bin Ma'roor was in fact a very senior, older statesman of Yathrib of our tribe, of our people. He deserved that respect. But the Prophet ﷺ, never to overlook anyone's feelings, realized right then and there that Abbas رضي introduction kind of left me a little high and dry. هذا البرا بن سيد قومه وهذا كعب And so right away the Prophet ﷺ said, شاعر هو this is that the famous poet and then Abbas radiallahu ta'ala who confirmed and so that's the beauty of the character of the Prophet. فقال له البراء بن معرور يا نبي الله اني خرجت في سفري هذا وقد هداني الله هداني الله تعالى للاسلام فرأيت الا اجعل هذه البنية مني بظهر فصليت اليها وقد خالفني اصحابي في ذلك حتى وقع في نفسي من ذلك شيء فماذا ترى يا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هي بيسيكلي سيز البراء بن معرور نامسد الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم اومسنجر اوف جاد او بروفيت اوف الله you know, I came out in this travel with my friends, my companions, my tribes, people, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided me to Islam. So I was praying with my brothers, but I didn't want to put this Kaaba, they're sitting there in the masjid, I didn't want to put this Kaaba behind my back. I felt something towards it. So I prayed towards the Kaaba, and even though my, the rest of my brothers did not, but I prayed towards the Kaaba. But now I, you know, because of their, you know, disagreeing with me so strongly, I'm not sure if I did the right thing. So please tell me, Ya Rasulullah, what's the right, what's the correct course of action here? The Prophet he said something very, said something very profound at that moment. He said, "Qad ala sabarta alayha." He said, "You were praying towards a qibla. You just have to wait a little longer." You're praying towards a qibla. You just have to hold on a little bit. Just wait a little bit longer. And so then he says, "Fara' al-Bara' ila Rasul Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam." Kaab bin Malik Radiyallahu ta'ala Anhu says that then you know from that point on Barra kept praying towards you know. Con- then he started praying towards you know al-Masjid al like the rest of us were. And he prayed in that direction until, you know, finally, eventually, the Qibla would turn, the Qibla would change. And... So that was a clarification there, but it's very beautiful, very powerful in the sense of the Prophet ﷺ even alludes to the turning and the changing of the qibla at that time, which means even the hijrah was something that was processing in the mind of the Prophet ﷺ. The turning of the qibla was something the Prophet ﷺ's heart was already inclined towards. So this was almost like a dua that he's making to Allah taala by saying that this is a qibla, just wait a little longer. Just wait until the command from Allah taala comes at the same time Kab bin malik radiallahu ta'ala who says that you know the the large group of people that we were traveling with amongst them was abdullah bin amr bin uh, haram uh, abu jabir sayyidun min sadatina there was a very elder was ashrafina there was a very elderly you know very revered and respected older man who was traveling amongst us, Abdullah bin Amr bin Haram, he was Abu Jabir as he was known by, he was traveling with us as well. And we were not being, you know, we weren't talking a lot about the fact that we were going to Mecca to meet the Prophet because we didn't want to cause any confusion with the rest of the people that we were traveling with who were not Muslims. So, but he says that, you know, we spoke, me and a few group of us, we spoke to Abu Jabir. And we said to him, Ya Abaja, إنك سيد من ساداتنا وشريف من أشرافنا You are one of the most respected leaders that we have, one of the most respected elders that we have. inna نرغب بك عما أنت فيه We want to dissuade you from this worship of idols that you currently are engaged in. Antakuna hataban حطبا للنار غدا That you know you're a very elder man and if you were to die, this could lead you to the fire of hell. We want to dissuade you from that. And we called him to Islam. And we told him that not only do we call you to Islam, but Muhammad Rasulullah who we believe in, we're actually going to be meeting with him. This is on the DL, this is on the download, but we're gonna be meeting with him as well. فَأَسْلَمَ naqiban. So not only did he accept Islam, but he attended that meeting that we had with the Prophet ﷺ, and later the Prophet ﷺ would appoint him as one of the leaders of his people, meaning even from an Islamic perspective. Appointed by the Prophet ﷺ, he would be appointed as a leader of his people. So now, the narration basically goes on from there, that the season of Hajj basically came around, everybody was in the valley of Mina, and Ka'b bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that we gathered together in the meeting place, Ya'aqaba, we gathered together there, and we were waiting for the Prophet wasallam to arrive there for the meeting. Until the Prophet wasallam arrives, but he's not alone. He's not alone. With the Prophet wasallam is his uncle Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib. And he mentions very clearly, إِلَّا أَنَّهُ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يَحْضُرَ Ibn إِبْنَ أَخِيهِ ويتوثق له. That Abbas عنه, was not a Muslim at the time of this meeting. But he wanted to come to find out what, what was going on with his nephew that he was trying to look out for now that Abu Talib had passed away. And he wanted to make sure everything was okay. So Abbas radiallahu ta'ala, uh, Abbas, who's not Muslim at this time, the uncle of the Prophet, he walks in and ibn Malik says, Kana bin Abdul And as soon as we sat down, Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib raised his hands and he raised his hand and he said, I have something to say before you do anything here. I know there's a bunch of you here, I can see the looks on your faces, you seem very eager, very excited. I know that my nephew, who I love very much, Muhammad is very excited to meet all of you. But before anybody does anything, I have something to say. And Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, يَا مَا al الْخَزْرَجِ O people of Yathrib, Aus and Khazraj. And he explains that the Arab used to uh, refer to the Ansar as Al-Khazraj. Even though there was Khazraj and Aus, Aus and Khazraj, two tribes. But when they would address this together, they would just address this as, يَا ma'ashar al-khazraj So he says oh people of Yathrib He says inna Muhammadan minna haythu alimtu.' You know how we feel about Muhammad Wa qad min qawmin min qawmina mithli ra'ina fihi He says that we have defended Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from those people who even have the same opinion that we do what he's basically trying to say is that many of us, family members of Muhammad Wasallam, Banu Hashim, we don't believe. We don't accept his message. We're not believers, we don't believe. But in spite of that fact, we have defended him. Even though we don't believe, we have supported him. fi And so he holds a certain prestige and level and respect amongst his people. That his family members, some of his tribe's people that don't even believe in him, will still defend him. Defend him to the very last you know, breath. He has support here. You might not be impressed. You might think that, oh, you know, there's all these terrible things going on. But you have to understand, we've, we've lost people. We've bled, we've cried, we've sweat, we've sacrificed to protect him. وَإِنَّهُ قَدْ أَبَى إِلَّا الْإِنْحِيَازِ إِلَيْكُمْ وَاللُّحُوقِ بِكُمْ And Muhammad, I've already had a conversation with my nephew. I've told him to stay here in Makkah, we'll stick by his side, we'll stand by him, we'll, we'll wait this out with him. But he has insisted on joining you, and on exploring the possibility of joining you there in Yathrib. فَإِن كُنْتُمْ ترون أَنَّكُمْ وَافُونَ بِمَا دَعَوْتُمُوهُ إِلَيْهِ مِمَّنْ خَالَفَهُ فَأَنْتُمْ وَمَا تَحَمَّلْتُمْ مِنْ ذلك. He says that if you think, if you're sure, if you're certain, that you will fulfill whatever promise you make to him today, whatever you're calling him, whatever you're presenting to him, to ask him to come and join you, that you will follow through with that. And if you do actually believe that you will defend him against his enemies, then that's fine. You're more than welcome to take this responsibility upon yourselves. But he says, وَإِن أَنَّكُمْ مُسْلِمُوهُ بَعْدَ الْخُرُوجِ بِهِ إِلَيْكُمْ فَمِنَ an He says, but if you think that you'll eventually surrender him, you'll hand him over, after he's come out to you, trusted you, so, you know basically put his faith in your hands, and then at that time you're going to abandon him, then abandon him now. فَمِنَ Then from now abandon him, leave him now. مِن مِن he says it again, he goes, because here he still got support, he still got some dignity, here amongst his people. But if you're gonna take him there and then just... Roll over, turn over, change your mind, flake, then that's not going to work. That's not going to work at all. I'd rather you just turned around from here and went back. Very nice to see you. Very nice to have you. Thank you for visiting. That's it. But you better be sure about you know what you're getting into, and you know what you're dealing with here. We said we heard what you have to say. Fatakallam, Ya اللَّهِ So then we said, Now, O Messenger of Allah, before we say anything else, we heard what you have to say, Ya Abbas. And it was more like a proclamation from Abbas. He was just kind of, you know, giving it to him straight. So there wasn't even really a response, because even responding would seem disrespectful to Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib. It's a leader of his people. So they said, Khad Sami'ala we we heard what you said. We appreciate what you said, we heard what you said, but we didn't want to speak before the Prophet so we said, O Messenger of Allah, please speak. فَخُدْ لِنَفْسِكَ وَلِرَبِّكَ مَا أَحْبَبْتَ And please ask for whatever you and your Lord, Allah ta'ala require of us. Let us know. قَالَ فَتَكَلَّمَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ, صلى الله عليه وسلم الْقُرْآنِ إِلَى اللَّهِ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ The Prophet of Allah ﷺ at that time, the narration says, he recited, started by reciting the Qur'an. He made some dua to Allah. He encouraged everyone on living their life according to Islam, gave them some nasiha, some reminder about Islam. And then the Prophet of Allah Wasallam tells them that what I ask you is the following. The Prophet of Allah said, so there, there, there's actually two, two incidents here, or, or two parts to the conversation. First of all, they asked the Prophet ﷺ, what do you and your, you and your Lord require of us, ya Rasulullah? So the Prophet of Allah ﷺ responds to them by telling them that Trying to just find the narration, so I'd like to quote exactly the narration. Yes, the Prophet of Allah صلى الله عليه says, "As'alukum li-Rabbi, As'alukum li-Rabbi. What I ask you, because remember they said, 'Sallim ya Muhammad, Sallim ya Rasul Allah li-Rabbika uh, li ma shi'ata, Thumma Sallim nafsika بعد ذلك ما شي'تة, Thumma akbidna مالنا من الثواب على الله وعليكم إذا فعلنا ذلك." The, the, in another narration, they basically say that, Ya Rasulullah, ask on behalf of your Lord whatever is required of us. Ask on your behalf what you need from us. And then also please tell us what we will get if we comply. So what does Allah require of us? What does the Messenger of Allah require of us? And then what do we get if we comply? So the Prophet says, Rabbi an ta'buduhu wa la shay'a." What what I ask you on behalf of my Lord, my Master Allah, is that you worship only Him and you do not associate any partners to Him. Then he goes on to say, وَأَسْأَلُكُمْ wa ashabi." And what I ask you on my behalf and on the behalf of my companions is أَنْ تُؤْوُونَ وَتَنْصُرُونَ وَتَمْنَعُونَ مِمَّا تَمْنَعُونَ minhu anfusakum," That you give us a place to live a safe place to live, that you help us in our cause, and that you defend us just like you would defend your own lives. You defend our lives like you would defend your own lives. And they said again, فَمَا لَنَا إِذَا فَعَلْنَا ذَلِكَ, إذ فعلنا ذلك يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ What will we get if we do this, O Messenger of Allah? He said, لَكُمُ الْجَنَّةِ, لكم الجنة. You will get Paradise and they said falaka thalika we are ready to do this we sign up we're ready o messenger of allah sign us up now the narration basically goes on to you know what i was talking about earlier that at this point in time all the intentions have been made very clear abdul muttalib, uh, excuse me abbas bin abdul muttalib has said whatever he wanted to say The Prophet of Allah has even made a presentation that you have to worship Allah, not associating any partners to Allah. You have to help us, give us a place to live, defend us, and that's what's required of you. So now, the narration mentions that some of the Ansar, some of these Muslims of Medina, they basically came forward they stepped forward and they said, Ya Rasulullah, ala man nubayu'uka. Ma they remembered that the Muslims from Medina had told him the previous year that the Prophet ﷺ had actually taken an oath of allegiance from them. So they said, ala man nubayu'uka. What would you like to take an oath and what would you like us to pledge to, Ya Rasulullah? What should we take an oath based on? What should we pledge to you right now, O Messenger of Allah? So the Prophet said, Tubayyuni ala sam'i wa ta'ati, fin nishati wa al kasali, wa al nafakati, fil usri Wal yusri, wa ala al amri bil ma'rufi, wa al nahi anil munkari. وَأَن تَقُولُوا فِي اللَّهِ لَا يَتَّخَافُونَ فِي اللَّهِ لَوْمَ تَلَائِمُ وَعَلَىٰ أَن تَنْصُرُونِي فَتَمْنَعُونِي إِذَا قَدِمْتُوا عَلَيْكُمْ مِمَّا تَمْنَعُونَ مِنْهُ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجَكُمْ وَأَبْنَاءَكُمْ, وأبناءكم وَلَكُمُ الْجَنَّةِ The Prophet of Allah ﷺ said, تُبَيُعُونِي What I want you to pledge to do the pledge that I'd like to take from you today is a wa-ta'a, al-sam'i wa-ta'a, that you will listen to what you are told and you will follow and do what you are told. You will listen and you will follow. Sami'ana wa ta'ana. we listen and we obey, that you will listen and you will obey. To align His Messenger wal-kasal, nashati wal-kasal, whether you feel up to it or you might not feel quite up to it nashat is like energy kasal is like kind of laziness so whether you feel up to it or you don't feel up to it you will listen and you will obey number 2 when fil usri wal yusri that you will spend in the cause of allah for the deen of allah whether times are good or times are bad and he in fact mentions the bad times first fil usri wal whether times are bad or times are good, you will spend to support the deen of Allah. Number three, waal bil wa munkar, that you will enjoin that which is good and you will forbid that which is evil, that which is bad, that which is wrong. Meaning you will be an active participant in establishing the deen of Allah. And that you will speak about Allah in such a way that you will not fear the criticism of any criticizer when you speak about Allah. Like you will speak about Allah and not fear any type of repercussions or criticism or disagreement. Like you will be confident when you support the deen of Allah, when you speak about Allah, when you speak about the deen of Allah, and you will not worry about the naysayers, the haters. You're not going to worry about them. You're going to do what you have to do. وَعَلَىٰ أَنْ تنصروني, And that you will help me in this cause, in this mission of mine. فَتَمْنَعُونِي And you will defend me if I come and I join you, إِذَا قَدِمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ If I come and I join you, you will defend me just like you defend yourselves and your families, your wives and your children. That the same way that you would defend your own lives and your families, that's how you will defend me as well. And my cause and my mission as well. And you will get Jannah for this. And so the narration says as soon as the Prophet said this, everybody stood up all at once. Like, I want you to get that picture in your head. I mean, imagine the Prophet. For 13 years, he's called, and he's cried, and he's preached, and he's bled. And he sacrificed for 13 years. And he was, he dealt with so much rejection and denial and refusal and ignorance and stubbornness from the people of Makkah. To sit there and to have a room full of people, 70 plus people in a room, packed in inside of a tent, like packed in together. And for them to say, what do you need from us? And for the Prophet ﷺ to just lay it on the table. You will listen, you will obey, you will do what you're told. You will spend when you are told to spend. You will enjoy good, forbid evil. You will join the cause. That you will support the deen of Allah. You will speak about Allah, speak about God and not be afraid of anyone. And what anyone has to say. And you will help me. And you will defend me and my cause and my mission and my religion. And as soon as the Prophet gets done saying that, imagine this scene where 70 plus people stand up all at once. فَقُمْنَا إِلَيْهِ We all stood up to come towards him, to take this oath and this pledge. وَفِي رِوَايَةِ البيهقي وَهُوَ أَصْغَرُ إِلَّا أَنَا Ka'b Malik says that the first one to take the hand of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was As'ad bin Zurara who was one of, the, one of the Muslims of Medina As'ad bin Zurara he was the first one to jump forward and grab the hand of the Prophet صلى and Ka'b bin Malik says that he was one of the youngest of the group and this again shows you the potential of young people, the iman of these young people. That he was the youngest of the group, and in fact, in one narration Kab bin Malik says, he was the youngest except for me. Like I was the youngest, he was the second youngest. And guess what? There's only one other narration. One very popular narration says that As'ad bin Zurara was the first one to take the oath, the oath with the Prophet ﷺ, the pledge with the Prophet ﷺ. There's only one other narration that says, no, it wasn't As'ad bin Zurara, it was somebody else. And that other narration says that somebody else was Ka'b bin Malik, who was actually younger than As'ad bin Zurara. So in either narration, the two youngest of the group were the first ones to take the oath and the pledge, which means they were the ones sitting closest to the Prophet ﷺ. They were the ones sitting in the front. They were the ones sitting in the front. And they were the first ones to put their hand in the hand of the Prophet ﷺ. And As'ad bin Zurara does something very interesting. Very interesting. So he jumps forward and grabs the hand of the Prophet ﷺ to let the Prophet ﷺ know and to let everyone else there know that he's got no doubts. He's got no doubt whatsoever. He's ready to go. But he holds the hand of the Prophet ﷺ and then turns and faces the people and he says, "Ruwaidan ya ahlay Yathrib, wait, wait, wait." Holding the hand of the Prophet ﷺ, he says, "Wait, wait, O oh, people of Yathrib, wait, people of Medina, wait." فَإِنَّا لَمْ نَظْرِبِ لَهِ أَكْبَادَ الْإِبْلِي إِلَّا وَنَحْنُ نَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ We have only raced our camels all the way from Yathrib, Medina, to Mecca because we know that he is in fact a messenger of God. He says, but understand that him leaving Mecca and coming to join you in Medina, in Yathrib is basically to take on the rest of the Arabs. It's basically to declare war against the rest of the Arabs. It will result in the death of many of our best people. And it will require taking up, that swords will come and attack you, that swords will come at you from all sides. فَأَمَّا أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ تَصْبِرُونَ عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ فَخُذُوهُ وَأَجْرُكُمْ عَلَىٰ اللَّهِ If you are such a people that you can deal with this reality, you can deal with this fact, then Bismillah, come forward. And your reward is with Allah. He says, but if you are people that are afraid of this, then be upfront right now. Put that out on the table right now, that we're not sure we can do this. فَهُوَ أَعَذَرُ لَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Because maybe Allah will still forgive you for that. Maybe Allah would still forgive you. This would be a better excuse in front of Allah, that you, right here, you decided not to take on that responsibility. That would be a better excuse in front of Allah, than actually taking Him with you and then not standing by His side. So not too different than what Abbas had said. But Asad bin Zurara says this to the people. The people responded by saying, "Amit anna ya Asad, get out of the way, Asad. Youngin, talking too much. Get out of the way." So they said, "Get out of the way, ya Asad. Wallahi la abadan. We will never miss this. We we wouldn't give this opportunity up for anything. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. Are you kidding me? Get out of the way." Who put you in charge? Get out of the way. We would never give up this opportunity. وَلَا نسلوبه وَلَا نسلوبه and we will never give him up ever. قال فقمنا إليه فبايعناه وأخذ علينا وشرط ويُعطينا على ذلك الجنة and the Prophet ﷺ welcomed us, embraced us, and we all gave this oath and this pledge to the Prophet ﷺ one after another, after another, after another. In fact, Kaab bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu even says about Asad bin Zurara that when Asad bin Zurara did what he did and he said what he said, he wasn't, he had no doubt. He didn't do it because he himself wasn't sure. And he proved that by putting his hand first in the hand of the Prophet ﷺ and stating, we know he's a messenger of God. But I'm just making sure that you understand what you're getting into. But even then to clarify, Ka'ab Malik Malik ﷺ says that what As'ad did, he only did so that we understood how we understood the responsibility that we were taking on. And that there would be no doubt. Because you've got to also understand the situation. You're sitting there in a sacred place like Mina. You're looking maybe, you know, for, for most of these people, the first time in their lives, they're looking at Muhammad Rasulullah wasallam. So they were very emotional. They were very inspired, very moved and motivated. But there needed to be some seriousness about what responsibility they were taking on. And that's exactly what was done at this time. And so the narration mentions that there were نَحْنُ وَسَبْعُونَ رَجُلًا وَمَعَنَا إِمْرَأَتَانِ مِنْ نِسَائِنَا There were 73 men and there were 2 women. And it basically mentions that out of these 73 men, about 40 some odd of them, about 40 of them were from uh, Khazraj, while 30 of them were from Ous. Which was a smaller tribe, and then there were two women, and even their names are actually mentioned that they were Nasiba bintu Ka'ab, Ummu Umara, and the other one was Asma ibnatu Amr ibn Adi, and these were the two women who was known as Ummu uh, Mani'. So Ummu Umara and Ummu Mani' were the two women that were there. And this was basically the pledge and the oath of allegiance that was taken by the Ansar at that time. And they pledged their support for the Prophet of Allah. One very other interesting thing is that, and I'll wrap up with this, because I basically want to stop here. Because what happens now, I'll, I'll mention it, but we'll talk about this in the next session. After they take the pledge and the oath of allegiance, you know. Everybody basically goes back to their tents that night and the Prophet ﷺ says, now you just basically have to go back to Medina and we'll take it from here. You know, we'll take it from here. You go back to Yathrib, you go back home. I'm gonna start sending people your way. You just make sure you take care of them and we're gonna handle this like this. But we gotta keep this kind of on the down low. We gotta keep it nice and quiet so that the Muslims, your brothers and sisters, excuse me, Your brothers and sisters in Mecca can leave quietly and can leave safely. You just make sure you receive them and you take care of them. But what ends up happening is that some of the leaders of the Quraysh find out that there's like 75 people here who have all not only just become Muslim, but they've given this pledge and oath of allegiance to Muhammad. And there's some some stuff going on. These people are up to something, Muhammad is up to something. And then from there, this whole situation, scenario plays out. But we'll talk about that whole conversation and what basically transpired and what happened after that in the next session. The last thing I'll mention is that uh, Al-Bara So um, Abu al-Haytham at tayhan Abu Haytham At Tayhan, who was one of the earlier people who had come the previous year and given an oath and pledge of allegiance to the Prophet the previous year, he says, Ya Rasulullah, this is very interesting. He says, Ya Rasulullah, Inna bainana wa bainar rijali hibalan. Wa inna qati'uha, ya'ni al So he says, O oh Messenger of Allah, between us and between some other people that we are neighbors with, there are certain relationships. Good and bad. There's a lot of interaction that we have with other people around us. And by aligning ourselves with you, we're pretty sure that that is going to lead us to some tense relationships with them. So we have some pre-existing relationships and we know that whether we want to have relationships with them or not, aligning ourselves with you and bringing you to Medina and growing this effort is going to lead to certain tensions between us and them. So, if we do that, and we're willing to, I'm not complaining, ya Rasulullah, we're willing to do that, we'll do it. We've already done it. We've given you our oath of allegiance. But ya Rasulullah, if we do that, فَهَلَ aseita إِن فَعَلْنَا ذَلِكَ ثُمَّ أَذْهَرَ اللَّهُ, ثُمَّ أَذْهَرَكَ اللَّهُ but then after some time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you victory. Like the deen spreads, Islam spreads, and it gains prominence. qawmika تَرْجِعَ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِكَ وَتَدَعَنَا? وَتَدَعَنَا O Messenger of Allah, if this spreads, will you then leave us and go back to join your people in Mecca? Later on down the road, if these people of Mecca come around and turn around and they believe, they accept Islam, they welcome you back will you go back to your people and you'll leave us will that happen ya rasulullah the prophet of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the narration says fa Rasulullahi rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Sallam." the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam smiled and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said balid dam he said we're blood we're like blood wal hadam wal hadam al hadam we're in it till we're in it for blood. We're in it till the very end. Al hadam is like something being destroyed. Like we're in this till the end. We're in this together. Till blood falls. Till everything is destroyed. And then the Prophet said, wa antum minni. I am from amongst you and you are from me. I am from you and you are from me. We're one. I will never leave you. وَأُحَارِبُ <laughs> مَنْ I will fight whoever you fight. <laughs> and I will be friends with whoever you are friends with. We're family, we're in this together now. And then the Prophet of Allah then said, أَخْرِجُوا <laughs> He said, 12 leaders should step forward now. 12 leaders should step forward. They will take care of the people in my absence. They will lead you. They will guide you. These 12 people will be in charge. And 12 men were pushed forward by their people. Nine of them were from the Khazraj. Three of them were from the tribe of Oz, Their names are mentioned as well. They were As'ad bin Zurara, Sa'ad ibn Rabi'i, Abdullah bin Rawaha, Rafi' bin Malik, Abdullah bin Amr bin Haram the same elderly gentleman that we talked about accepting islam عُبَادَةُ ibn samit al-munzir bin amr and lastly and finally it mentions abul haytham at-Tayhan. these were the nine from khazraj and then there were three from the aus the three from the aus were usaib bin hudair sa'ad bin khaithama And the last and the final one was Rifa'a ibn Abd al-Munzir. These were the 12 leaders that stepped forward from the Medinan community. And the Prophet ﷺ made them leaders. He gave them responsibilities and told everyone else that when you have confusion, if you have anything, any situations that you're dealing with, you will turn to them until I come and join you. And the Prophet ﷺ specifically said to them, He said, Antum You are the caretakers of your community. You are on my behalf. Just like when a parent dies, there is the kafil of the yatim, There is the caretaker of an orphan. He said that you are the caretakers amongst your people. الْحَوَارِيِّينَ لعيسى بْنِ مَرْيَمِ just like the Hawariyun, the disciples of Jesus, the disciples of Isa alayhi salam, took care of the people after him, you will be watching over your people in my absence, wa ana kafilun ala and I will be watching over my people, and when I come and join you, then basically we'll take it forward from there. And so this was this whole exchange and incident, What we'll talk about in the following session, we'll go ahead and stop here for Salatul Isha. In the next session we'll talk about that the Ansar basically just feeling the moment, you know, the, 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 the energy of Iman. Some of them actually asked the Prophet ﷺ, you know, there's about 70 of us, you got a few people, We can do this now. We can go now. These Makkans are messing with you. We can just go kick up a storm right now. We can go start a fight right now. Do you want us to? Do you need us to? And the Prophet ﷺ basically tells him, he goes, (laughs) ما nabi بِذَلِكَ We haven't been told, right, to do that. And the Prophet ﷺ tells him, go back home. Go back home. We're not fighting right now. And then basically the next session we'll talk about how when the Quraysh find out about this, then what do the Quraysh do about it? How do the Ansar, these Muslim Medina respond to the Quraysh? And basically what transpires from there? And then we'll start talking about the slow and steady migration of Muslims from Mecca to Medina, inshallah, And we'll cover that in the next session. Uh, Just wanted to remind everyone that next Tuesday is Eid, inshallah. So obviously we won't be having Sira class. Um, or maybe not so obviously but we won't be having sira class um inshallah so jazakumullahu khairan barakallahu fikum and then the following tuesday after that inshallah we'll resume the classes we'll start back up again may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to practice everything that was said and heard subhanallahi wa bihamdihi subhanakallahu bihamdik nashhadu la ilaha illa anta nas'aluk wa natubu